Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Five Things. I am your host, Ali Rasool. And before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that we... The Bad Dog Theater Company are broadcasting from the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. It is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about the wampum belt. Today, uh, I was doing a quick read of the news and... Um, uh, I'm going to spend the next three minutes reading a really good article from Al Jazeera called Canada's Crying Shame About Residential Schools. Um, it's a solid read, so as part of my land acknowledgement today, I'm going to spend the next three minutes reading a part of it. So just a content warning um, that what I'm about to read contains upsetting themes around the trauma of residential schools. So here we go. There were 139 residential schools attended by an estimated 150,000 First Nations, Inuit, and Métis children in Canada. The first school opened in 1831 and the last one closed in 1996. The institutions intended to erode Indigenous culture, language, and family and community ties were notorious for the neglect and abuse of the children who were forced to attend them. Thousands of Indigenous children died at the schools with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the TRC, of Canada, conservatively, conservatively, that is the word, uh, estimating between 4,000 to 6,000 deaths. In 2009, so more than 10 years ago, the Canadian government turned down requests for the TRC for $1.5 million in funding to help identify the locations of burial sites of children at the former residential schools. To put this into perspective, $1.5 million is the cost of a home. <laughs> One home in Toronto, $1.5 million. So some First Nations communities began using their own resources to hire specialists operating ground-penetrating radar to find the graves. And at the end of May, they uncovered the remains of 215 children buried at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School in British Columbia, and they continue to find more today. Um, why I'm reading this today, uh, there's a lot happening in the world, and um, I'm just reminded that how frightening it is, how easy it is to, to erase history when you don't pay attention so um, I'm going to take a little space of this podcast because uh, it's my show and I can do what I want um, to, 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 to take this moment for us to pay attention together. So yeah, it's my show. So on we go. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you everyone for uh, listening to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for listening to me. Uh, uh, so the season of five things is hosted by me, Alia Siniza Rasul, and I'm going to be talking to some of my favorite people, uh, some of the folks that I think are just doing the coolest things, 
Um, and we're going to dig into stories, uh, politics, and personality behind their work. Uh, so what this means is like we're going to have some of my most illustri illustrious, some of my most famous, famous friends uh, come on this season. So uh, make sure you hit like and uh, or subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of them. Um, what is Five Things? Uh, five Things is based on an improv game. Bad Dog Comedy Theater is an improv theater. So Five Things obviously uh, is an improv game that helps us get out of our heads a little bit. Uh, to warm up. So I'm going to ask, and all I need is a suggestion. So Ajanis, our wonderful tech, do you have a suggestion uh, for me so that I can do five things? The warm up game. Here is a suggestion. I would love to know five things that you gotta remind yourself every day. Oh, okay. Number one, do I have my keys? I think that's a pretty standard one, but I... I'm on my seventh set of keys. <laughs> it's getting embarrassing to call, um, to call my landlord, but I gotta, my, my other spare keys is in my home. So that's one. What else do I need to, to, uh, mm, deodorant. <laughs> that's the truth. Deodorant. Number three, uh, my lunch, my baon. Baon means like your packed lunch. I gotta make sure I take that out of the fridge. Uh, number four, um, make sure I call my mom because my mom will get really mad at me if I don't call her. And number five. Oh, you know what? Like every time, like I, I always do this thing where I lock up and then I go uh, uh, and then I remember I've forgotten something and then come back. Um, that is uh, whether or not I've unplugged my, uh, what's that called? Hair straightener. So that's like a very basic five, but I think a very good five, actually. So those are my five things. Uh, am I warmed up? Yeah, I'm pretty warmed up. Um, I was so excited uh, to introduce you to today's guest. I'm also a little bit intimidated, but mostly excited. I would be more intimidated if I hadn't interviewed her before and uh, it was like, it was a blast. <laughs> so this is, you know, this is our second round at it. Um, yeah, so let me tell you about today's guest. Uh, it's Catherine Hernandez or, you know, uh, uh, the 10 year old Alia with, uh, with her Filipino accent would say, Catherine Hernandez is a proud queer woman of color and an award-winning author her first novel, Scarborough, won the Jim Wong Chu Award for the unpublished manuscript, was a finalist for the Toronto Book Awards, the Evergreen Forest of Reading Award, the Edmund White Award, and the Trillium Book Award, and was longlisted for Canada Reads. She recently wrote the screenplay for the film adaptation of Scarborough, stunning film, uh, which I caught. Uh, uh, it premiered at TIFF this year, and she's the creator of Audible Originals audio sketch comedy series, Imminent Disaster, fun fact, your humble host was on that, so check it out. Um, her second novel, Crosshairs, published simultaneously in Canada and the in uh, in Canada and the US and the UK this spring, made the CBC's Best Canadian Fiction, amongst other laurels. Her third children's book, Where Do Your Feelings Live, which is a guide for kids living through these scary times, has been commissioned by HarperCollins Canada and will be published in winter 2022. Um, and she's currently working on her third novel, PSW, uh, through HarperCollins Canada, again, 2022. Whew. And with that being said, I'd like to bring up 
Catherine Hernandez. Hello, Catherine. Yes, I got the sirens. I got the sirens. Yes. Oh, that's an awesome. I want all of my entrances to be like that every time I go into a room. Oh my! It's so funny that you you say that you're intimidated. I feel like intimidated by you, like people who like the comedy world. I just I think that it's just so amazing. You all are so amazing. So. Oh yeah. my gosh. You okay? Well, <laughs> we're just mutual taking a, admiration. Yes. Mutual admiration. Yay! I'm waving my. This is a podcast. So I want I want people to know that I'm celebrating with my hands in the air. Yes. Um. Yeah. So how are you? Uh, congratulations on Scarborough. So I'm congratulating you on that one thing because I literally just saw it at TIFF in September. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. That was unreal. That was unreal. And as you know, um, you know, some brilliant people were a part of it, um, including Eli Postadas, who has worked yeah. with you in the Tita Collective. And so I'm just, I, I, I'm still processing it. Every time someone asks me about it, it's like, how did it feel? I'm like, I, I still can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. Um, I um, have, my feet have not touched ground since. It's, it was just so unreal. And to uh, try as much as possible to not act like new money during the entire thing because all the time I was like, these are free pastries. I mean, like I could just take these pastries uh, or is this real gold? Is this like this, is, is, the, is the, word, the word tiff, is it wrapped in gold and is this real gold or is it chocolate inside? Like I just, I felt like so ignorant. I, it's such, so, I, I really look like a new money. I had, oh, I had no idea what I was doing. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. My aspiration in life is to act like new money. I don't even care if I am new money, but I will act like new money. I actually, <laughs> it's just fun, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there were, it was, it was so funny because I do remember at the festival seeing two people who had to attend like another TIFF event that you can tell that these people were very moneyed folks, like, you know, judging by like how they were dressed, but the way that they were like, oh, another something or other like oh another <laughs> another tray of food <laughs> like and I thought to myself I would rather be me being so full of glee around about everything around me uh that um like uh, yeah it's just this this ride this ride has been such an adventure and I'm very thankful very thankful yeah and I think a lot of people are wondering like what's next for Scarborough like is it when what's hap when can we see it next well, we got, okay, so, so many good things happened at TIFF, right? So we got into the festival, first of all, which is so difficult. And then uh, we got, um, we got these uh, awards. So we got like the Shawn Mendes uh, Changemaker Award. What? And we got first runner up for the People's Choice Award. So we, the only film that, um, that won above us was uh, Belfast. Uh, so, which is just so weird to like be like the only person who won, a, like a, like who had a film that was supposedly better than yours, according to the jury, was was Kenneth Branagh's film. Like that, that was so weird. And then yes. the third thing we got was distribution. Again, yeah. being from theater, I had no idea what that meant. I was like, what does distribution mean? What does like? And I'm in my mind again, being from theater. I was like, so. Does that mean that your team of volunteers goes around with little <laughs> postcards begging people to see your show? And uh, and it's not that. Thankfully, it means that uh, Level Film is going to be distributing it, which means that it's going to be hitting theaters, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, uh, in sometime in the early new year. Um, and and uh, yeah, so we're we're elated. It's it's been. It's been such a ride because I didn't know this, but even if you get into the festival, it doesn't mean that necessarily people are going to see your film ever again. 
I literally yeah. know nothing about film and TV. You say you're from theater. I guess I am kind of theater, but more of like course you are. comedy theater. Anyway, I we're, we're going to get is. into that Yes, because actually. we've had this conversation, had this and I think com- we, ha- we have to share it with everybody. Yeah, It's true. I love, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I I wanted to read as much of your bio. I cut some pieces, but I did want to read as much of your bio as possible oh, gosh, to, set me, to set me up for um, the first thing of five things. Thing mm-hmm. number one, there you go. Thing number one is you do a lot. Yeah. You do a lot. How do you do it? <laughs> well, the thing is, um, I, I realize my entire career has been just like curiosity. Can you do that? Is that possible? Let me try. And a lot of times, like when I'm successful, it's just that. It's just like, I just want to see if I can do this thing. Uh, so, um you know, writing, writing, uh, children's books, for example, I had no idea, like if I could do it, uh, I just wanted to try. And then Emma's mustache got like very popular. Um, and then, uh, just, I, I don't know, I want to just try writing a novel. Maybe I'll try. And then Scarrow came out of it. Um, and, uh, I, I'm so happy. I'm so I'm so thankful that that's been my life has been like, can I do this? And then with Scarrow, the film, it was the same thing. Can you make, can you make a uh, like a fiction film, but make it look like a documentary? So, and um, having documentary filmmakers uh, Shasha Nakai and uh, Rich Williamson directing it in a way that it looked like a documentary, it was just it was it was just magic. Just because we were curious, and um, thankfully it was successful. Of course, it's not successful all the time. Um, like knitting. Not necessarily successful for me. Uh, <laughs> math and sports never successful. But I just try to keep keep curious. And if it's if it's out of curiosity, a lot of times then it's not tiring. So for example, right now my big curiosity is, um, can you do watercolor painting? Yes. And yeah. And and I started doing that. And um, and I don't. I can't believe that it it's it's been going well. Uh, but it's we yeah. It's just a lot of fun. So I just have fun. And then also I try to rest as much as possible because I, I um I do have chronic uh, adrenal fatigue, um and uh, and also just like just like my bo- my body because of having survived many traumas that um, I can I, I can just start getting like memory lapse if I'm extremely mm. tired. So I uh, just really have to care for myself. So so like it's almost like you have to book it in. Like you have to book in rest just like you would book a meeting. Um, and, uh, and I really take that rest seriously. So like, it's like a, like a really good walk, a very good meal, um, or like, uh, like right now, oh my gosh, I'm binge watching a lot of HGTV because, um, <laughs> I got Discovery Plus and now I can't feel my legs. I, I, I don't know what my name is anymore, uh, cause I love home renovation shows. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that's, that's, that's it. Just stay curious and know when to rest. Who doesn't love – well, first of all, that's like that, you know, as someone who burns out on a regular basis, yes, it's like that is so validating to hear. Um, my second more important point was like who doesn't love home renovation shows? <laughs> I remember being nine years old being like, yeah, put that <laughs> – Put that kitchen where it is. I think we all secretly are like, you know, property twins. We are all prop. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, are yeah. There- <laughs> well, like, okay, so do you, like, but I don't know. Okay, right now, obviously, in this 
this day and age, our focus on the, these renovation shows is basically making a house actually look better. I don't know why in like the early 2000s and I, I don't I don't know how old you are um Alia but like just the the entire trading spaces era yes I feel like so yes. is your job like I, <laughs> I don't know what it was back then but we really love to like fuck each other's homes up I don't know what that was <laughs> yeah. about um and and now it's just like like all about gentrification like it, it's so funny because like I'm I'm a person who um is a victim of gentrification and we're, we're like, you know, and yet at the same time, I'm like, oh, look at those backsplashes. Look, <laughs> look at those soft closed drawers. It's just the way that it slowly closes. Like, why do I care? Why do we care? Why do I care if they love it or list it? I don't know, I, but I stay, I stay. I, and I, I, I've, um, I've lost all my family. I don't know who where they are now. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> They're all gone. They're all gone. Like I have like great grandchildren. They don't know me. They're still on HGTV. I yeah. ask myself the same question. Like why I, since I was very young, have treated my trips to IKEA as though they were like trips to Disneyland. Because of the meatballs. It was the ice cream for me. Oh yes. The ice cream. styrofoam. <laughs> yeah, comb. it's so bad, but it's so good. Oh, and then the little vignettes. Like, oh, this is my little apartment in Manhattan. Looking out at like the <laughs> fake window, you know the fake window with the like the like the the little like it's like a picture of a city scene. Yes. And you're like just living just living the the single life in Manhattan and then you go to the next one and it's like a, a different vignette and you're like I'm in the countryside, in the French countryside with the you know it, it, I love IKEA. I love IKEA so hard. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're really learning that like Relax, watch some HGTV. That is the key to <laughs> yes. to yes. conquering all, conquering any, you know, like against <laughs> against all odds. Well, not against all odds, but like curiosity, I think also yes. is like my biggest takeaway, like curiosity. It's so funny. Like, I think I'm 35. Wait. Oh, okay. I'm 34. Doesn't matter. Who cares anymore? <laughs> it's just because, like, I'm so used to, like, saying, like, oh, you know the thing. And then the person's like, I don't understand what you mean. Just because I feel like I've gotten to the age where everyone is extremely young around me. So I just assume that everyone's in their 20s. And you're very, like, you you seem, like, very bubbly. But also, like, age does not hit you at all. Like, so I just I just assume everyone's oh, 22. Well. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. Wait. The pandemic uh, swallowed up my um, early 30s, and I have complex feelings about it because yeah. I want to I wanna celebrate aging, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm like, I had plans. Yep. <laughs> but so did we all. So did yep. we all. Oh. But I mean, you, okay, so <laughs> even just this last, last year, so Scarborough was at TIFF. Uh, Scarborough, the novel, was it 2019? Because I remember reading it, like, before yep. the pandemic. Um, but crosshairs came out during the pandemic, and that's thing number two. Oh yeah. So for folks at home, crosshairs is a, a is your second novel, um, yes. but not necessarily your second book because you have multiple children's books. So just to put yeah. it out there. So I mean, it's a it's it's a it's a dystopian story of a near future, actually like a future around the corner, which is frightening. Where Others and allies join forces against an oppressive regime, and it's it's a uh, completely based in Tor- Toronto. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, like, tell tell us a bit about Crosshairs, like, and why was it so important to to show that it is in 
Toronto specifically because like I felt that was really uh, like Scarborough was intentionally Scarborough and you really feel like you know this is this is of this place and I feel like the city of Toronto was very intentional as well so I'd love to know more about that absolutely yeah I mean I had a lot of pressure from the publishing world uh, to consider putting it in sort of this nondescript North American place um, because usually that helps with book sales. But I really stood my ground on that. Um, I still stand by that choice because Canada has this marketing campaign. I call it that. The, a marketing campaign that spans several generations that completely erases the ongoing genocide against the Indigenous people of Turtle Island. And it was important to me to show that not only uh, is a genocide, genocidal campaign possible, it already has happened and it is continuing to happen uh, with many uh, Indigenous communities not having access to clean water, to um, uh, people living on and off uh, reservations, uh, not having access just to the safety of like the family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so uh, what I really wanted to show was how plausible it all is, especially since many of us from the QT BIPOC community have it, have survived apocalypses already. So what would it look like if a fascist regime was in Canada? It, um, like, I, you know, like I wrote I wrote the book. Uh, I wanted it to feel like as if, you know, you're going to put down the book and that it was going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that you were going to read the book and it was going to feel exactly like what was happening already or even just yesterday, you know. Yeah. I had a lot of Americans messaging me on social media during the um, attempted insurrection saying, I can't, what are you, you writing what's happening? You're writing exactly what's happening. How is this possible? Um, I had a friend tell me, uh, you're a fucking psychic. <laughs> <laughs> um, just cause, uh, it's, it's, um, Yep. It's alarming just because, you know, like I, I wrote it during a time that I, there was some floods in uh, Scarborough and I, I could feel it then that there was like this warning that I had to issue to people. Um, and I'm a very, uh, I'm not a religious person, but I'm definitely a spiritual person. I really felt like my ancestors were like, you need to, to issue this warning to everyone. And I did it. I wrote it down. I knew that it was going to be really hard for people to read it. And then when the pandemic happened, I was like, oh, shit. I don't think anybody's going to read this book. I don't think anybody, I mean, it's, it can, and it is, it's very difficult for people. A lot of people, um, it, it can rub people the wrong way and, um, and, and that's fine. And I have to just trust that, uh, you know, with white supremacy, it really teaches our bodies to, I, um, to either get really angry with a message like this or to just completely dismiss it. And I just have to trust that the people who are ready to hear the message, um, heed the call of the book, which is to embody allyship, uh, that um, they'll, if they're ready, then they're going to learn. If they're not, it's it's okay. I can't do anything about it. That's beyond my control. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, I feel like the, the urgency is really encapsulated in your epigraph, which um, it's okay if I read it. Oh, yeah. Uh, So in your epigraph, you write, To the people of privilege, you will survive your discomfort while reading this book, but many like me 
who sit dangerously at various intersections of identity, will not survive long enough for you to complete the last page. What will you do? And yeah, yeah, that is like, it's like almost a gauntlet throw. Like, I don't know, like what, it must have taken something, or maybe not, I'm assuming, to to put this basically front and center of this book. It's kind of like a challenge. What was your thinking behind that? Well, um, you know, when you're having difficult conversations um, in the queer community, it's a it's a common practice to like, like, let's just say that there's like something difficult that I have to share with you, like something that maybe I was offended by that maybe between you and me that uh, I need to discuss, or maybe I want to apologize about something. And it, we know that it's going to be a difficult conversation is that I, uh, you, you can preface it with saying, um, uh, Alia, uh, would you be willing to have a conversation with me or, um, Alia, uh, I was wondering, would you be willing to hear something right now? And it might it might hit hard. Uh, so it's a it's a good way to start a conversation because if you're not mm-hmm. ready for that conversation, we we don't even have to have it. We can have it later. We you know, um, but uh, I I I wanted to say that at the beginning of the book so that people weren't people were going to be ready for this journey, that it was going to feel uncomfortable, um, even. Like when I would do a reading, I could feel myself sweating. I knew that, you know, other people were sweating listening to it. Like it's it's a difficult read. It's really difficult. And it was, it was you know, on the funny side, it was hilarious asking for blurbs for the book because <laughs> the pandemic was, you know, just starting. We had to ask around March. And I was, you know, like all these people, like these these big authors, like yeah, I'm, I know that you're probably fearing for your life. Um, but could you read my book uh, about uh, people fearing for their lives uh, in the face of fascism and then write something nice about it? Um, and I'm, I'm really, really thankful that uh, Lawrence Hill um, offered a blurb. But it just it's it was a terrifying thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I was terrified writing it. I was terrified releasing it into the world. But the good thing is the, you know, getting feedback from people. Uh, from from the from the community that is represented in the book, from QT BIPOC folks saying thank you for seeing me, thank you for telling for for saying it out loud. Like everything that I'm I'm scared of right now, is is it's really important. It's I mean so now that it's out, like are you are you still terrified a little bit or? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you have to laugh at it because like okay, so right now a miracle has happened. It looks like I might actually be able to buy a home. It, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Thank I just, you, HGTV. I know. I know. It is. And it's like, you know, we have to be really careful because I want to buy a rural property because in my mind, mm-hmm. what I have in my mind is that we're going to be able to create a space in which we can really, you know, like steward the land, get like the soil to be good. Because I, I am I right now, you know, one of my curiosities right now is. Um, you know, building up soil health, uh, doing micro farming, like, like, cause I, I am a student of permaculture and, uh, just again, like being a steward of the land, taking care of it and growing food from it. And also being able to create safe spaces for QT BIPOC people in the countryside. And so, um, my partner and I were looking, we went to this one house cause you know, you have to imagine there were these two brown people, obviously queer, in these rural areas, trying to find a house. And one place, one place had a coffin in the, in the basement. Why was there a coffin? Um, I was told it was a Halloween decoration, but 
I mean, that looked like a, it was a real coffin. Why would you have a real coffin for Halloween decor? And there were guns. So, oh my gosh. like, okay, so you can imagine, <laughs> like, we're scared. Like, you know, we we have to really take a temperature of like the, every area that we're in to see, like, you know, are people going to be accepting of us? We usually go to like a nearby restaurant or cafe, and we're um, we're not making out, but we definitely hold hands and. Um, so that pe- we can sort of gauge how people are taking us in, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and we've, de- you know, we've had to do this litmus test at, at uh, like several different towns in Ontario to see where we feel safe. And um, I would say that uh, that there aren't many, <laughs> but we're able to find some, and we're very thankful for those places. Uh, so we're we're really excited about finding this this place, but think about that like that we have to put ourselves in danger like this to see yeah if we are going to be safe to find a home yeah so that's that's this is this is what this is life right um, yeah yeah and we can we can laugh all all we want about it just because it is it's been such an adventure but uh, we're we're hoping we're going to find the right place yeah. So I have to ask if Coffin and Gun Home is in the top 10. <laughs> no, I can't. Did it make the cut? <laughs> no. Can you no? believe that there were five offers on Coffin Home? <laughs> they were, and I mean, come on now. Like, who are these? Like, you know, you can just see these people, these investors saying, yes, this is the <laughs> home. I am going to put my $600,000 on. It's perfect. It's, it's a great income potential. It's the coffin. The coffin home takes it, you know. Yeah, they're yeah. like, I'm gonna age in place, and <laughs> we're set, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I can see the listing already. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So, uh, whoa, <laughs> we were talking about crosshairs, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, everyone like uh, crosshairs is where's crosshair? It's you can read it. Uh, it's on Audible as a. Yes. As an audiobook. And Which I recorded also, in this closet made in, into like a sound studio. Yes. In your beautiful closet that looks like a very, very professional sound studio. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Fitted with lighting too. I might yes, for folks yeah, on the podcast. Light. That's right. And I've got one of those really annoying podcast mics. Yes. I'm one of those people. It sounds great. Like yeah. you're ready to get it, like, you know, ASMR. <laughs> like you're set. Yes. You're set. Um, so, crosshairs. It's 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 interesting because that is not your only project. That was like really delving into the end times, the end yeah. of the world. So, thing number three. Yes, thing number three uh, <laughs> is imminent disaster. Yes. So, imminent disaster is a very very funny. It's very funny because I'm also in it. <laughs> As, <laughs> <laughs> very. <laughs> funny um it's like a i guess a audio sketch series yes um it's also like or it's a podcast because i know i've yeah it's like um it's it's a, a sketch comedy podcast uh through audible originals and um yeah there's 10 episodes various scenes disconnected from one another and um all of them usually just focused on the absurdity of these times because like I mean, I don't even have to make up too much. I mean, like you just watch the news, and that's yeah already absurd. Like, like the yes. fact that the the weather is now the most 
horrifying thing of the news. That's like, it's it's so bizarre. But yeah, but the, that's that's the show. Um, and I'm so happy that you were a part of it. I gotta say, it was just wonderful finally working with you because I um, after seeing uh, Tita Jokes, I remember sitting there in the audience going, oh yeah, 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 no. I have to, when, at some point, uh, uh, there's going to be some way that I have to hire her because it, it was, you're yeah. just so brilliant. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. So we, um, I think it's, you know what it is? It's the MLM thing with Tita Posh. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I would totally be that Tita if I wasn't in the arts. I would be the MLM lady. Well, I told you, I, I want to <laughs> act, I want to act new rich. <laughs> so I know, right? <laughs> I write it in every show that I can. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> it's funny that it's here. I made a puppet that's just a pile of cash. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, that is so cute. I'm sure it's like a. Uh, so, for folks on the podcast who don't get to see this, but if you want to see it, it's on the YouTube, <laughs> by the way, Bad, uh, Bad Dog Comedy TV. It's a, it's a pup, puppet with spun. It oh looks like gosh. a pile of cash. <laughs> that's literally what it, it is. It looks exactly like that. Just bring that to the bank. Bring it to the I bank. Know. I'm sure that they'll be able to. <laughs> Catch it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, it was so much fun. Like it was, it was so much fun to do. And oh, I have to, I have to say, I, I don't think I'd ever, ever imagine um, ever voicing a uh, a sexy dragonfly. Ah, that was my favorite scene. I fought so hard to keep that in. <laughs> it was so hard to get through that. With that. So basically, like, and everyone, please go watch him. <laughs> go go listen to him in a disaster. But there is a scene where um, there's a bunch of bugs. I don't want to give it away, but, like, a bunch of bugs are just, you know, uh, kissing and telling. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, a, about, like, after the, a hot night of sex, what are they all going to say? <laughs> it was, that was a, such a fun scene to do. And I'm fun. glad that we got to do it together. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because uh, I feel that way. You know, you're sitting there by because I live by the lake. And I feel like, you know, like around late August when it's dragonfly season mm -hmm. and you start to see the dragonflies basically like fucking above your head. <laughs> like just like hovering <laughs> right by your head. And I, I, I'm always amazed by that. Like, oh, like, I, I, yes, I get that they're, you know, that that's, that's their you know, their thing as, like, insects. But I also feel like they're trying to just show off in front of us, like, as if, like, you know, the kind of sex that you have is so vanilla as humans. And we're going <laughs> to just screw in this heart shape, right, hovering right by your face while you're just trying to read a book by the leak. That's, that, that was what it was inspired by, just because I feel like insects are always doing it on, like, you know, like, like mayflies are always doing it on my forearm. <laughs> Like everywhere, like um, shameless, I yeah, <laughs> totally shameless, and I feel like they like people watching. Like I just, I don't think that I don't know. I that's me. That's me anthropomorphizing it, but uh, I'm most yeah. likely right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, watch um, a bunch of insects in sex. <laughs> that's grammatically wrong, but it works for the pun. Yes. <laughs> but it's really interesting to go from crosshairs, which is about. The end times, literally yes. right around the yes. corner. Oh my gosh, to imminent disaster about the end times, and um, it, it's it feels like you were writing kind of those. You, I I don't know. Like I assume you wrote those kind of close to each other. Oh yeah. I wonder how was that going from crosshairs, which is like not at all written like a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> going oh, yeah. from sketch comedy, like how was that? How did that feel? What was oh. that like? 
so healing just because you do. We have to laugh at these things. Like, we have to laugh at these things. Um, I don't think that there's... I mean, um, I, I don't see any other way of surviving this. It, like we, ha I think that a lot of people think that resilience is like this dramatic film, mm -hmm. you know? Um, you know, when you see resilience in media, right? Like you just, you, you see people like dabbing at tears in the corners of their eyes and, you know, uh, picking themselves up after something horrible happens to them. But I think that resilience also looks like laughing your head off about um, the sexual harassment that you receive on a regular basis or mm -hmm. uh, laughing at the absurdity of those freaking videos that people were doing um, during the Black Lives Matter protests last year those celebrities um, doing those ridiculous videos. I mean, all of that to me is funny. It's so funny and so horrible at the same time. Um, you know, the crosshairs would look at that and say, how horrible is it that these, um, these privileged people have no clue how to be allies other than putting the camera on themselves and centering them and their pain. And then you have in imminent disaster, you have an exact scene that's making fun of those ridiculous supposed allyship videos. Uh, and I, you know, like I, I want to show how funny it is to survive as a brown queer woman because of mm -hmm. the amount of bullshit that I have to deal with on a regular basis. It's um, and a lot of people don't believe me. That's the thing. They don't believe that half the things happen to me. But I'm like, no, it, it does. And that's why the, the, the series happened in the first place is that I happened to be at the Giller Awards last year. Oh, no, God, it wasn't last year. It was many years ago. It was before the pandemic. Uh, but uh, I was at the at a table for, the, for Audible. And uh, Anna Giesen, who worked for Audible at the time, just thought I was so funny because I was making people laugh at the table, which at literary functions, like it can be, sometimes it can be very dry. Mm -hmm. um, and I just made everybody laugh about certain things. And, and she's like, you know, I want, can you just pitch me a show? Can you pitch me a, sh a show for Audible Originals? And then I, that's what I did. I said, well, I, I really want to do a sketch show about the absurdity of what I lived through, but also the absurdity of these times, of these end times that feel quite apocalyptic. And at that time, the pandemic hadn't happened. She said, yeah, do it. So I, I, sent, her, mm -hmm. I sent her a pitch. She loved it. Um, but the thing that got her was that when the pandemic started, she said, can you please pitch me again? Because I want you to imagine that you're pitching me now while, like, now that you know that the pandemic is here, can you pitch me again um, with your episode ideas? And so I, I did it again. And she loved the idea of it being really definitely from my perspective. Um, and that that really helped like shape shape the show. So it was it was so much fun, and, and it was so much fun working with Templeton Philharmonic for script editing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it was it was just really great, like learning from uh, those two powerful women, so creative. Uh, had a great time, and then recording everything uh, with uh, uh, post sound, uh, post office sound. Like they they were just so wonderful. So yeah, so now it's out in the world, and I'm really proud of it. And I'm getting what I love are all the messages from people saying like, you know, I'm listening to it in my car. I'm laughing so hard. Um, this really brightened up my day. I mean, that's what I wanted. I really wanted people to at least just have like this moment of reprieve because I think I think we're vacillating between and we're 
we're going to be fine. Yes, our leaders are totally going to take care of it. At some point, <laughs> we're totally going to hit, um, you know, uh, net zero. Um, and then other times when we're like, we're going to die. <laughs> why, why, why are we going to die? We're going to die. And so I, I really I really wanted this moment of like between those, you know, that pendulum swing for there to be a moment of just let's just laugh. Let's have a fun time. And, and and having people feel seen, so that's it's 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 great. Like it's such a gift to have this this show in the world, and I, I'm and I'm so glad that you enjoy it because I was really nervous um, that people from the comedy world would like they, they wouldn't like it or whatever. And I just uh, so I'm just I'm very pleased. I'm very. Pleased. I love it. It was such a pleasure to be a part of. I will say I had a bit of a panic attack around. Um, there's one character I play where I have an Al- Alabama accent. Oh my god. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Accents are always hard. And I always think about, like, someone, like, uh, because, yeah, I did an accent for it as well. I was just imagining someone going, like, that's not, that this is incorrect. Some linguist out there, um, you know, like, totally, like, Eliza Doolittle-ing me. Um, Like, I just... I, I was I was a little bit worried too, but I had a great time with you. Yeah. It was so much fun, and also the fact that because we're in sound studios apart from one another or masked, like it was pretty safe. That yeah. that made me really relieved to be able to play again with actors, um, and with but with in the safety of our own little pods, which was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, go 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 listen to it. <laughs> and um, actually, like well, what you just said um, brings us to kind of like thing number. Thing number four? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Thing number four, because you had mentioned at the beginning and you had mentioned, like, just now, it's, like, the comedy world. Like, oh, it's yeah. really interesting that there's, like, here you are, like, clear, clearly creating and writing comedy <laughs> and still feeling like that, like, you know, this separation from, like, comedy. And it's, and I'm, it's true, though, like, there is the way things are in Canada. And Maybe North America right now. It's like yeah. there are theater people and then there are comedy people. I don't agree with okay, so we've had this conversation okay. and we were I wanna share this with everyone is that I have so much respect for the comedy world. And every time I've had a um, because I you know I uh, teach theater as well like uh, I teach creative process with people um, like decolonized creation in many different kinds of mediums and uh when I have people from the comedy world take part, almost all the time, they're the first people that want to play, try things out. They they always jump headfirst. I never have to fight with them to try new things. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for that kind of energy in the room because you can have really seasoned actors who don't play, right? Uh, I, I uh, And I also think that people from the comedy world, I feel like, they're not given the chance to really like bite into a scene, like understand like like all the beats in a scene and the interactions. Like I, I feel like people should give the more chances to do that because I, I what I'm loving right now in like the last ten years is watching um, comedians who are really um, really stretching their muscles so that they're able. Like if you look at, for example. Will Ferrell right now in mm-hmm. um, The Shrink Next Door, if anybody's watching it, it's his performance is phenomenal, both dramatically and comedically. It's like, it's so good. Um, so when I can see comedians doing that, like, I just think that they should be given more chances to do that. I don't think that it's, it's an incapability. I think it's just that people, I, what I don't like is people, um, seeing comedies and get ready to be funny, be yeah. funny. Um, 
where's the punchline? Um, I I really love shows where it uh, like right now I'm I'm like, I love work in progress. That's like one of my favorite television shows. Like first season for sure. Um, and and of course like shrill where you see like it sometimes it really hurts to laugh like you're laughing at things that are actually quite tragic um yeah yeah so it's i i think that people need to take comedians more seriously now why i say i'm not a comedian is just because i just don't feel like i'm that person that could be just funny all the time i think that i'm just not i i um and i remember one time a uh, smoking pot with a bunch of stand-up comedians <laughs> and it was so painful Alia like it was I, I didn't even try to make jokes I didn't I didn't it was just I was just trying to have a conversation and uh everything that I said they all looked at each other like mm, yeah okay that's 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 funny sure uh. I've also had conversations with another stand-up comedian who I would say something and the way that she would break down anything that I said was that was remotely funny until the inanity of what I was saying just like crumbled at my feet. Uh, so I, I just, I feel like I'm just not that kind of funny. I think that what I do is I create, I'm a storyteller where there is some funny moments, um, but I'm, I, I just feel like I'm not, I'm not in this, like this constant world of like punchline and another punchline. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and you'll see that even in crosshairs, like there are some really, I feel like really funny moments in that, like, cause like I really point at the funny intricacies of my community, um, around the complications around love and, and, and all the stuff. But I, it, it's a very serious novel. Same thing with Scarborough. It's, it's. It's a heartbreaking novel. Like people have said, it's heartbreaking. That, but there are so many moments in it that are funny. Um, so I, I love, I love doing that kind of storytelling. But I, I just don't, I don't think about that. I'm, I'm not at that level to say comedian. I just, I, I don't, I never felt comfortable. <laughs> That's really interesting because, like, the scene that you just painted with like the stand-up comedians and, yeah, you know. Uh, and feeling like that is a thing that definitely I felt throughout. Not so much now because um, I hang out with the same 10 people and I like all of them. <laughs> None of them make me feel that way. Yeah. But like co coming into comedy and I will say like uh, between comedy and theater and not, not, this is not a competition, but for me it just felt, comedy just felt more accessible. Like I wasn't yes. about, I wasn't going to switch like careers and go in, to theater school, for example, but it was easy yeah. to take a comedy class and, and mm -hmm. get started that way. But I will say, like, the first few years of starting comedy felt like that. It, it, it was hard. It was hard to get good at comedy because those spaces made me feel like that. Yes. Like, like, what, like, uh, like you're like a little, like, dancing monkey. Yeah. Like yeah. Like, like what, are, what are you going to do? Like, what, where it's like, I love, like, for example, improv artists where they don't necessarily feel like there has to be some kind of funny joke about the scene. It's just that it's just an improv. And um, like, I love watching that. I love, love watching that. Um, I also, I also must say that I, I can't stop thinking about funny things, especially in serious moments, because you have to understand that coming from the literary world where these events are usually very serious. 
And uh, I come in there acting like as if it's pride. I usually look like, you know, like these these events. It's the one thing that sort of perks me up, puts a little, you know, pep in my step is overdressing for these um, usually very yes. conservative events. Overdressing? Yes. Uh, I love overdressing. You say overdressing, but honestly, <laughs> I don't even... I'm trying to put into words what I see, and it's just like... I'm struggling for words, but it's like these fabulous <laughs> pieces that you, I don't know, find from all over the world. I think, I think there was a time, there was a period of time that like, um, one of my favorite things to do is like, in like, cause sometimes you, you Insta, you, you tag on Instagram who you're wearing, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'll go down a rabbit hole. my friend. <laughs> And like some of your pieces, I went because I saw that dress, uh, that you wore at the Scarborough, um, yeah, uh, 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 red carpet at mm-hmm. TIFF, and it looks like a it looks like a Terno. Yeah, it looks uh, like one. It looks like one, but it's. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I like. I really went. It's from like a shop in Australia. Yes. <laughs> so this these this like worldwide glamour ensembles that you're putting together. Well, that's called a rental. Oh I, yeah, yeah. I rented it, I, and I'm really clear about that because I've not uh, bought anything new since 2019. January 2019, because it was like, you know, my New Year's resolution. And I, um, not unless it's obviously underwear um, (laughs) or um, if it's from an indigenous or black uh, creator. So it's, um, so it's such a nice challenge to do that because it means that I I haven't wasted any clothes. Um, it's not going to sit in my closet because like uh, like I I just everything that's in my closet basically I've had since 2019. I'm perfectly fine doing that. But then when it's like a red carpet event, I just rent it because then it's going to be used by someone else. Yeah. Um, and it's so it's it's a lot of fun. But it's um, but w- okay. I gotta say that what's hilarious is that I'm like oh I've made it to the celebrity level where I've been posted with. Um, like a picture of a model wearing the same dress comparing me to the model like and someone someone said like hot or not or something like that on what? Instagram something really awful I'm like oh wow I really made it um but yeah like I I uh, I, I was I was really kind of honored but in a weird yeah in a strange way yeah it was it was very funny it was very funny to compare me to a model wearing the same dress it's it's totally fine, but but like to show you how new money it is, I didn't know. Okay, so the red carpet, I was treating it like you know your fifth grade classroom photo. Everyone smile really big, or you know like in Filipino get-togethers. Oh you yeah, know, use your levels, your up and down, <laughs> three quarter turn, all the things that as like a Filipino you need to know how to because of all the cousins how to fit everybody in that frame right and look really cool doing it and yet spontaneous. That's what I thought it was, the red carpet was. And then I looked at my pictures. I was like, oh, my gosh, I look like a child. So then I had to, like, practice in front of the mirror because now I know. I'm like, oh, no, you got to do this weird, like, crossing legs thing. Posing is a whole thing. It's such a whole thing. And you have to sort of look at the camera like, I don't care. Like, what? (laughs) I don't care. Well, oh, me? Okay. And then my favorite, though, I mean, I want to see if I could do it and and still take myself seriously without laughing my head off, is that if I ever do a red carpet with a really fancy back, I love when celebrities walk in a way that they're looking over their shoulder so that you can see the fancy back. Oh, yeah. That makes me laugh so hard. That makes me, like, you know, just naturally, I'm just walking with my back to you all. Like, what? 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to try. I'll, I'll see if I can I can figure it out. Yeah. I am also hearing here or maybe I'm pitching but like, you know, a collaboration between Tina Posh, Catherine Hernandez, a new <laughs> sketch series called New Money. Where, yes. You know, we're buying houses with coffins in it and we're, yes. we're showing our backs all over the place. <laughs> Oh, no, it does. Well, like, I already pitched to you. I really want this scene to happen. A scene where it's, um. oh, my gosh, what is his name? I'm having Bruno a, Mars. Yes, I told you. Okay, I know. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm probably annoying you, but, like, yes. No. I want this Bruno Mars scene to happen where his backup dancers are all Lolas. <laughs> I want this to happen um, just because like when they realize his his lyrics are dirty that they give him like a good palo like a good hit on the arm and they, they you know like hit him with their purses I really want this to happen it's gonna happen it's, it's, it's so it's, funny it's on record it's gonna be manifested <laughs> it's it's coming up you hear that put the cheetahs <laughs> put it out there it's it happening there. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. well i mean what so oh my gosh five fifth thing fifth thing yeah so i would love to know i would just uh, we've been collecting things um uh, that people are really loving right now like uh-huh. what, what are things that are making you laugh real hard these days i think you've already mentioned uh, a few. Yes, I wrote it down. Okay, so one of the things that really makes me laugh right now is um, Nicole Kidman's accent in Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> this is really specific. Can people please hire Nicole Kidman to just do her own accent? Please, God, that's all I want for Christmas. More than I want property that does not have a coffin in it. Please, God, someone hire her to just be Nicole. And I feel like, like, what does it feel like to be Nicole Kidman that every day she's like, okay, here I go. I'm, I don't know, I'm from New York. Here I go. Um, I just can't. I can't with her. And that weird, it was supposed to be Russian. I don't know what that was. It was so painful. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Pen15. Oh my gosh, so good. CBC yes. Gem, everyone. Pen oh my 15. gosh. The, the Asian mom haircut. If anybody <laughs> who survived the Asian cut? moment, yes, the bowl cut is, and you know, like you know what? What makes me so angry when people say that? it's like, yeah, I got the Asian bowl cut. It's like, bitch, I had to wear, no, no, I had to not wear a bowl. My mom just eyeballed it. Like if that's the worst, so it's a bowl cut without the bowl. <laughs> she didn't is, put the bowl and like yes, trace it. Yes, wow. and it's just like, and she also gave me this weird like shave in the back, and I'm like, so. Why are you surprised that I turned out to be queer with that kind of <laughs> with that kind of haircut? And then um, uh, I'd say uh, I love the special, the HBO special from Phoebe Robinson. Sorry, Harriet Tubman. Mm. That was so funny, and I loved. You know, like sometimes I get really annoyed by stand-up comedians and this weird pacing that they do across the stage. You there's something about the way that she did. Did you watch it? I don't know if you watched. No, it. No, I'm gonna go check it out. It's the way she did it was just like as if, like, what? Why am I doing this fucking show? Why am I doing this show? There's something about it. It was so funny. I laughed really hard. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm. I was. I was really pleased. And I. I love Phoebe Robinson. Robinson. She's just. She's hilarious. So yeah. So that. Those are the things that make me laugh right now. Well, that's awesome. Well, everyone check 
all of that stuff out. Especially Nicole Kidman's accent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to watch that. Yes, <laughs> really. Please. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us for five things at Bad Dog Comedy TV. Please, 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 everyone, check out more of Catherine's stuff. And, um, uh, oh, I skipped the lightning round. (laughs) So I'm going to do a quick lightning round. Sure. uh, Just because we want to know more about you always. Okay. Lightning round. Number one, tea or coffee? Coffee. Oh, yeah. But decaf. I'm so sorry. I'm a (gasps) middle-aged lady who has a hard time going to sleep. On board, and now you know what? It's fine. It's just okay. still coffee. It's all right. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> do you like to? Ce- how do you like to celebrate a big party or a nice cozy one? Oh, cozy for sure. I get like I, I'm very shy. I, I can't be with too many people. Yeah, like I said, I only hang out with ten, and that's it. They're vetted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number four, what do you do on days when you're not feeling confident? I stole this from a Rihanna interview and I love it. Ooh, when I'm not feeling confident. Um, so like when learning how to write, I write a book, I would write, read books that I, I love so much, uh, circle sentences that I loved, uh, and I, until like, till I felt confident that I could do something similar and then I'd write. And then when I feel the imposter syndrome taking over, then I uh, then I read someone else's work again. Just I constantly just keep on learning. That's that's it. Just have that attitude. Just keep on learning. Oh, my gosh. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that requires a pause because it's that was beautiful. I know. Um, moment of silence. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you watching? What else are you watching these days, I guess? <laughs> oh, my God. Other than. OK, everyone has to check out. Homestead Rescue. What? <laughs> Homestead Rescue. Okay, so it is on Discovery or it's on Discovery, I think. But it's about this this family, the Rainies. They go into different homesteads to save these people who went into homestead lifestyle not knowing how to do homesteading. So, like, if for example, they might be like in the desert with their um, trailer and they have no access to water, and then they figure out a way of getting water to them, like things like that. They, they do that. And because I'm totally into homesteading, um, <laughs> I uh, obviously I'm sitting in a closet um, like, with the soundproofing material. I know homesteading. Yeah. Uh, but I, I uh, it's, it's seriously, it is the best. Like keep with it. it I know it's strange, but by like the, the I think a few seasons in all of a sudden it just like, you're going to be amazed. You will survive the apocalypse thanks to the rainy family. Is this on HGTV? It's it's not. It's but it's part of the Discovery group <laughs> of, of channel. It's so good. It is so good. Everyone must watch it as I the end is coming. Yes. Convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced. Okay. And last one. What's next? I mean, there's so many things, but really, what is the immediate next thing that's happening with you? Oh, um, you know, like uh, television projects. I can't talk about it right now, but <gasps> I can talk about. Um, I can talk about a children's book. Uh, that's happening in in the new year children's book uh, that's called Where Do Your Feelings Live and it's really just to help little kids uh, learn to deal with all the scary feelings right now so I feel like it's like all about the end of the world like I'm just creating things about the end of the world but I love it but in different forms yeah <laughs> alright okay well now is when I think where I thank you so much for joining the show so please 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 go check out more of Catherine's stuff like uh, John is we'll have that back like so Catherine Hernandez IG at Lex Hernandez or on uh, 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 Twitter at The Loud Lady and if you haven't yet please hit follow or subscribe to this channel to keep up to date on 
all of the cool programming Bad Dog has coming your way. And if you'd like to support the show, consider donating to www.baddogtheater.com slash five things. A big shout out to Adjanis Charlie, our tech. Thanks, Adjanis. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I have been Al Rasul, and in the words of my people, Enot, take care and have a great night. Bye! This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.